You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And today, our guest is David Will, who is founder and CEO of PropFuel. And we're going to talk a little bit about his entrepreneurial experience um, and his experience in service companies and product companies and then what he's doing with PropFuel. So, um, Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, Bruce. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So why don't we start? I always like to have guests kind of give a little bit of background, how they got to what you're doing today. And, and in that, I would love to talk about your previous company, because I think there's a, a great story in from a service-based business. How do you think about the different kind of strategies and how do you develop uh, growth in that? And then we can talk a little bit about PropFuel. But give us the background. How do you get into this? So th- there's a story I always like to tell. So if, or if you've ever talked to me for more than two or three minutes, you probably have heard this. But there's there's a time in between business school years. So this is in between, so business school, two years. In between, I was doing an internship and I was working for SAP. This is basically how my world changed from having a job to having the passion as an entrepreneur, right? So so in between these two years, working for SAP, huge multi-billion dollar software enterprise company, SAP, an ERP system. My manager, Mark, as he was walking me to the door, he literally put his arm around my shoulder and he says, uh, so Dave, and you always love it when things, it's <laughs> the phrases that always clue you up to the fact that, that you're not going to have a great <laughs> So Dave. And the other one is, let's chat. You ever have a, a girlfriend come up to you and say, hey, uh, can we chat? Yeah. It's never, ever a good thing. He didn't say that, but what he did say was, so Dave. And he put his arm around me as he's walking me to the door. Literally, I'm walking out the last day. He says, a little bit of advice for you moving forward. I encourage you when you're walking through the halls, I encourage you to walk a little faster and smile less because perception is reality. And I thought, dude, that is awesome. Like, because it's, you can do it, right? Yeah. It's not like be smarter or, yeah, or exactly. use better words. Yeah. It's just like, you be can nicer totally to people. smile yeah. less. Yeah. yeah, you can't do that. But you can walk faster and you can smile less. You can do that. It's physical. I can do that. So I got fired three years later because I was incapable of actually doing that. And a phrase I would hear is something is like a lack of sense of urgency. But ultimately, around the tech bubble, I got fired from the systems integration company I was working for at the time. And it struck me at that moment, I was never going to be, it almost sounds arrogant, but I was never going to be great working for somebody. I was going to do fine. I was a chameleon. I could do all kinds of things. But it was that day that I got fired. And shortly thereafter, I started a business on the antithesis of Mark's advice. My my One of my core values right now, I got it up on my wall right over here. One of my core values is walk slow, smile more. No, I love it. This yeah. whole slow is not literal walk slow. It it's actually just means enjoy the journey. Yeah. Right? If you're not doing something where you can enjoy the journey, enjoy the highs, and you're going to have lows, but to a certain degree, you kind of... You kind of like the pain, you know, and it, that's the walk slow and the smile more is, is pretty literal. It means just smile more, man. And mm-hmm. so that was the origins of, of what led me down this path of creating a business. So in 2001, I started a business called what ultimately became Peach New Media. It started as a services company okay. and it, it evolved into a software company. And uh, I sold that to uh, AKKR, private equity firm. Uh, we were bolted onto another company in 2000. 15 
And then uh, here we are a couple years later, a few years later, I'm two years into a new startup called Prop Fuel, which is focused, P-R-O-P-F-U-E-L. It's focused on creating continuous feedback campaigns through, generally speaking, from employees and customers. Something I mentioned to you earlier is is, uh, both uh, attraction and scaling up have elements of their checklist that are completely focused on do you get feedback from your employees and do you get feedback from your customers? So this is, we've built a system designed specifically for driving feedback on a continuous basis, as opposed to like the survey monkey, which you realize survey monkey was invented, I think back in the ancient Roman days (laughs) when they had, and they stone tablets. Bruce, nothing has changed in the way we do surveys now versus a thousand years ago. The only thing that's changed is we email it out instead of carving it into a tablet. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But you look at you look at like marketing automation. Yeah. And it started in the the email started in nineteen what ninety two is when most people started to get an email address. And then like twenty years later we have marketing automation software that's amazing. Why haven't surveys evolved? So PropFuel is like this survey automation platform that we built. We believe we're on the, the edge of what, what people are doing and capturing feedback. Yeah. And that's my story, man. Started with <laughs> fast, smile less. So uh, let's talk a little bit because I think the, the interesting thing here is I think most companies, they think about customers, they think about, you know, basically the people that are paying them, you know, how do they collect feedback from them? How do they make sure that their customers are satisfied? But I'm not sure people really think as much about employees and how you keep employees satisfied and why that's important. And I think for service-based businesses, you know, whether you're a retailer or whether you're a professional consulting firm, your people are critical to your business. And I think that if you're not doing some level of getting feedback, getting data from how your people are doing, are they engaged? Are they motivated? Are they aligned? What can we do to improve the experience? How do we make them better employees, better people, better experts in the in the work that they're doing? I, I think there's just a lot of people at, at a minimum are driving blind. They just don't know, or they don't um, they don't know where they're going to go. They don't they don't have the insight to actually improve their product and service. So I think a, a lot of a lot of companies will focus a lot on customer feedback, but they really don't think about employee feedback. And I think for service based companies, it's it's really critical to understand understand who's engaged, who's not. Where do you need to help? Where can you sharpen the axe? I guess how how did you decide on employee customer feedback? Like what was the driving um, need that you saw to get you into this space? Uh, there, it's interesting. It's an evolution. Yeah. Even though we've been in business two years, so this is still a startup. My um, and what was true over the course of the first 14 years of my first business is also true in this business. And that is what you start to be is not what you're going to be. In most cases, in most cases, you have an idea. And if you ever watch Dan Pink's Where Great Ideas Come From, you see that uh, great ideas don't come from sitting in a corner or going off, in, <laughs> as, as you see in Silicon Valley, yeah. going off in the desert with a bag of mushrooms. Yeah. They, they, the great ideas come from exchange and interaction. So over the course of two years, what, uh, uh, what we thought we were creating and what we ended up creating have been different. What we thought we were creating actually was an employee engagement platform. Okay. That's what we thought we were creating. What we ended up creating was a feedback automation platform. And let me explain what the difference is. Yeah. An employee engagement platform is what I wish I had in my last company. We had 40 employees. Every week I would send out, I I concocted a kind of a a mix of a Google Doc, an automated email, a calendar reminder, all this stuff to create a series of questions, short, 
uh, just a couple questions that would go out to our employees or spark some recognition. And that concept worked really, really well as an employee engagement and feedback system for me as a leader of a 40 person company. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really cool system that we did all kinds of stuff with and employees loved it. It's one of the few things that I implemented and by things, I mean kind of ancillary stuff that I implemented in my company that stuck, mm-hmm. you know, the things like book clubs and, and other reward systems. Like we try these and they go for a few months and they fizzle. This was one of the only things that really stuck for a long, long period of time. So we decided, I say we, my partner, current partner is Cameron. He is, that was the CTO of my last company. Mm-hmm. He and I both appreciated that element of the business. We decided that we wanted to build a business to package that up into a really cool system. That's what we thought we were creating. Mm -hmm. What we ended up creating was a feedback platform where we no longer uh, really see much of a difference between capturing feedback from any stakeholder. So employees are certainly one of the stakeholders in your business. Mm-hmm. Partners are a stakeholder. Your board of directors are a stakeholder. Your customers are certainly stakeholders. You have different segments of customers that you might break down and get feedback from. If you're an association, you might even have members that you're getting yeah. feedback from. Nonprofits have, have donors that they're getting feedback from. So you have all these different stakeholders. And if you look at just customers, as I already alluded to, you have different segments within the customer base. So what we've evolved to is a way to manage feedback from a lot of different entities through the use of feedback campaigns, drip campaigns, as well as scheduled campaigns. But a piece of that is the employee feedback, where generally speaking, an employee feedback campaign looks different than a customer feedback campaign. But overall, what we've evolved into, and I don't even know if I'm answering question anymore, but <laughs> what we've evolved into is this feedback automation platform. That was our journey. And um, it, what's really cool, I think, about what we're doing is we're not, this isn't a better mousetrap. Okay. This is a different, we're catching different rodents. Yeah. This is a completely <laughs> different animal. This doesn't exist. Yeah. Certainly there's, there's employee engagement tools, yeah. yep. especially for enterprise. There's customer success tools mm-hmm. that are focused on customer success. What's really cool about what we've created is we've created a system for turning feedback or driving feedback by focusing on business problems that that are are fed by these campaigns. So it's almost like taking marketing automation and then turning it around and instead of giving, sending content, you're receiving content. So what's an example? So give us a, um, you know, either a, you know, an idea of how you see it being applied or how, how it's been applied in cases. Because I, I get it conceptually, but I'd love yeah, to yeah. kind of no, get, put right. some meat on the bones here. That's a good way of doing it. So naturally, let's talk about employee engagement. Yep. So there's, there's an employee uh, engagement campaign. An employee engagement campaign might consist of weekly questions to your team along with some recognition opportunity. It might consist, maybe it's every two weeks, maybe it's every month. Some, some people that do employee engagement think a little bit more along the lines of performance management, where you might ask monthly questions, a series of monthly questions that are always the same. What'd you learn in the last 60 or 30 days? What, what are you, what do you most want to learn in the next 30 days? What are your top priorities this month? What were your major accomplishments in the last month? What are your hurdles? You know, things like that. That's performance management type questions that you might ask on a monthly basis just to it's it's like the tick tock in a clock. It's keeping things rolling. 
in, in, or maybe you want to train people to start thinking strategically, where you might ask weekly questions that are a little more strategic and require a little more thought, like what do you admire about our competitors or, or what's, the, what, what's one thing that would make this the greatest year in the history of the company? Or maybe there's an element of team bonding and morale. If you have disparate employees, people yeah. in different locations, maybe it's just a matter of getting people to know each other a little bit better. What's some weird fact about yourself? Where do you want to go on vacation next? Describe the dream vacation. What's a good book you've read recently? What's your spirit animal? <laughs> <laughs> so like, like this, you could ask whatever you Mine's want. Mine's snake, by the way, but that's the, yeah, a little no, different I, story. Yeah, I'd like to hear that story sometimes. <laughs> So, so uh, you know, that's that's one example of how you might run employee and engagement campaign. There's other kinds of campaigns. Of course, you have kind of generic customer campaigns. Or I just got off the phone with somebody that worked with municipalities enterprises and education. Those are the three verticals. Okay. So they may run a campaign specifically focused on their municipalities, another campaign mm-hmm. focused on enterprises, and another campaign focused on education. So they have different questions for different customers that are out there. Here's another one that I really, really like, and I'll end with this one, is a new customer campaign. Yeah. Now, this one is only going to last for six, nine months, maybe a year. Mm-hmm before they get thrust into your general customer campaign, which is like this ongoing scheduled monthly or quarterly feedback thing. But the first year of a customer is really, really important because if you don't wow them, if you're not really providing value in year one, chances are they're not going to be there year two. So, so the, the year one questions are going to be a little bit different, you know, day one after they become a customer, maybe week two after they become a customer, you send them a question saying, so what did you think of the onboarding process or how was your sales, how was the experience in the sales process? What could we do better to, to make it more efficient to whatever, lots of questions about the sales or the onboarding process. Tell me about something or, or what are you most excited about in working with our company? What, uh, or maybe six months in, what's something that you wish we did that we don't currently do? Yeah. I think you'll find the question oftentimes the thing they wish you did, you actually do. <laughs> they just didn't know about it. So there's a revenue opportunity. So onboarding is another kind of campaign. So, it, and the list goes on. You could have seven, eight, nine different feedback campaigns going in any given company. Yeah. So how do you deal with, uh, you know, one of the things I always sort of find with this, you know, getting feedback and surveys in these campaigns and stuff is this kind of, you know, survey fatigue, you know, that, that you know, I can, the, I can ask a lot of questions <laughs> and get a little response or a lot of response on a few questions. Like how do you kind of strategize or dial it in in terms of, you know, what's the, what's the right number of questions in different situations to get different kind of responses? What's your, what's, what have you learned around this? Well, one thing we've learned is surveys suck, right? That's yeah. like this is the biggest thing we've learned. Surveys yeah. sucked back and when they were stoned in <laughs> templates and surveys suck now when you email a survey monkey. Yeah. Oftentimes, and I'll tell you how we came up with surveys back or how we used SurveyMonkey yeah. back maybe five, six, seven years ago in my last company. Uh-huh. We'd be talking, our executive team would be there. We might be talking to our marketing person in the company and we'd be stewing over how we thought the customers perceived something we did. And then somebody would have this awesome idea. They'd be like, we should send a survey. Yeah. And we're like, yes, we haven't gotten feedback from our customers in quite some time. This is what we need to do. Let's send a survey. Okay, so Amelia, will you go build a survey for us? Yes, I'm on it. 
Amelia goes and builds a survey and there's like 15 good questions. But then somebody else says, you know what else we need to know, though? And they throw in another one. Before you know it, you got 25 questions that are crafted probably poorly. And you send this out, you get maybe a 15, 20% response rate, and then you have a spreadsheet of answers. You look at it, and then you put it away. <laughs> or, or better yet, I find that you look at it and find evidence for the things that you already you know, want to totally learn. Totally knew that. <laughs> yeah, totally exactly. knew that. See, I was right. See, I was right. Exactly. The classic. <laughs> no, you're right. So, God, we could never improve on that. Huh? Yeah. So anyway, that's what we've done. We've improved on that. And and the, the trick is rather than getting feedback when you think of it or when yeah. you once a year and, and throwing it out there, it's a pain in the ass to create surveys. Nobody mm-hmm. and because it's really hard to come up with the right questions, too. So creating a survey sucks, but taking a survey is even worse mm-hmm. if you're on the receiving end of it and you've got, you know, how much do you like that that progress bar at the bottom? The most yeah. exciting things about surveys are seeing how far you are in the progress. So our goal, the way we've improved that, the way we're seeing a better return or response than most is, number one, we give people the option to click on something in the email. Mm-hmm. So how hard is it? You're sitting there and I'm holding my phone in front of you right now, but I know you you can't see this when you're listening, but imagine holding your phone in the right hand. You told me not to do this, didn't you, Bruce? Yeah, exactly. Don't do anything visual, babe. Don't explain with your hands. Imagine you're holding your phone in your hand and you're flipping through your email. You're in line at Dunkin' Donuts in the morning. By the way, they're changing. It's Dunkin'. It. It's only Dunkin' now. Right. So you're in line at Dunkin' and and you're just waiting to order that must that incredibly needed coffee. And you're scrolling through your emails and you get one that asks for a survey and it's a, let's say it's an NPS with Net Promoter oh. Score which is zero to 10, you can click on that eight, yeah. nine, 10. And I'm never a passive, so let's make it a nine. Yeah. Click on nine. It's one button Done. to click on yeah. in your email. Then it brings you to another page where it asks you to go into a little more information, but there's only one, maybe two more questions before there's a submit button. So the difference between that and a survey, <laughs> oftentimes surveys have a progress bar. And in order to get to them, you have to click on the button that says, take our survey. <laughs> So, you know, it's some semantics in there, but the bigger thing is that what we're doing is we're creating a series of these really short check-ins. I don't even want to call them surveys. We're going to call them (laughs) check-ins, but you're creating a series of really short check-ins where people can give you a really quick answer. Yeah. And as a result, you're getting more feedback that's a little more accurate because it's not just a stamp in time. It's a continuous flow of feedback over a long period of time. And and on your end, because it's this automated system, it's a heck of a lot easier to manage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the idea of you're making it much, much more kind of user friendly and kind of a, a, the ability to engage uh, is much easier and then structuring sure. the data on the other side. There's trends that you can see doing it this way as well, where it's a lot more difficult yeah. to, to, to line trends up when you have different spreadsheets that you're lining the trends up to. So maybe you do an NPS every year. Mm-hmm. And then what you got to do is you break out the scores from an NPS. You probably have your admin or something or your marketing person mm-hmm. uh, put a little report together on how NPS compares. Whereas when you have a platform like this where you're continually receiving feedback over a year, two years, three years, you can actually look at the trends right there in the in the platform without hiring an admin to do yeah, it. Yeah. And what kind of, I guess, what kind of results have you seen or, or with this data? So you've collected this data, you now have these insights about what's going on with these different segments, whether they're, mm-hmm. you know, employees or vendors or partners or customers. What, how have you seen from a management point of view, from an operations point of view, how have you seen people 
turn that data into decisions or insights that have led to changes in the organization? It starts with a business problem. Okay. We're not just throwing questions out there with the hopes of identifying business problems. Although okay. that happens sometimes. Yep. Sometimes you ask questions and you get surprised. <laughs> so and you're like, oh my gosh. It's easy to find problems often. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe there's there's opportunities that arise. That does happen yeah. where you see opportunities that arise and they're yeah. unintended. But oftentimes you're trying to solve a business problem. So, so what this does is that it gives you a metric. It allows you to track metrics tricks associated with this business problem. And it also allows you to identify opportunities to improve this particular business problem. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, I always say that 60% of the value in feedback automation platform like mm -hmm. this, 60% of the value is giving people a chance to hear a question and chew on it, yep. right? So giving them a channel, giving them a, a venue to talk, it's, and that works in real life as well as it works in digitally. Asking people questions is incredibly valuable. Bruce, when you get yeah. into a conversation, you go to a party, what works better? Walking up to somebody say, hey, I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm a coach and I'm awesome. Let me tell you about how awesome I am. The things I've done with my customers, you wouldn't believe. And you, I mean, yeah. that I would listen to. But a lot of people are going to look for their opportunity to get another cracker. Exactly. Now, the alternative is you go up to people and you'd be like, hey, I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm a coach. I'm curious. What's your business? What do you, what do, you do? Yeah. What are you passionate about? And, and you're going to have a much deeper dialogue yeah. when you show some curiosity. So 60% of what we do is giving people an opportunity to tell us something. Yeah. 30% of what we do is listening to what they're telling us, right? The first one is just giving them a venue to talk. Mm -hmm. Second is actually absorbing what they're saying. The last 10% is actually doing yeah. something. With it. Most of the time, Bruce, you don't do anything yeah. with it. Most yeah. of the time, it's the asking and the listening that's most important. The last piece is occasionally you're actually going to get a nugget that is going to help you progress in that business problem or at least measure it. Mm -hmm. So so I, I think oftentimes people get a little too hung up on, well, what am I going to do with this? Well, what you're going to do is you're going to listen. Mm -hmm. That's what you're going to do. You're going to listen when people are talking to you. And then occasionally, yes, you're going to act on it. There's going to be an opportunity for improvement. So it's important when you're listening. And by the way, we recommend our customers schedule 15 minutes every Friday to listen. And what I mean by that is they literally book a time in their calendar, yep. 15 minutes, it doesn't take more than that. In fact, it takes less than oftentimes to scan the feedback they're getting. Yeah. If they don't get it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. So scan that's the feedback they're getting. That's the listening part of it. And occasionally when they're scanning it, they're going to see something that's really highly relevant to that business problem. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes they will see that. Mm -hmm. And in that case, they're going to send this opportunity off. They're going to send a, a note off to somebody that it can actually make change related to that feedback you just got. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it does. Because I think that's, I like the idea that you kind of start with a context. That's not just, well, I'm, I'm going to have these really open-ended or I'm just like, hey, how was, how are you doing? But you actually kind of put a hypothesis together. I mean, if we think of experiment design, like we're, we have some kind of hypothesis or some kind of frame that we're operating within and we want to inquiry around that in such a way where I'm going to get knowledge, right? So how do I get more insight, more data, more knowledge around 
on this that helps me as a from a management point of view make better decisions around that that's one of the problems i think with annual surveys bruce is is oftentimes because it's like a one-shot thing yeah. we just try to send out this it's like a buckshot right you try to send yeah. out this damn i'm being graphic again i just <laughs> this, this. yes david david is mimicking a shotgun uh visualize that as i continue with my analogy here but it's like this you're asking a survey that spans so many different things yeah that you've lost your objective yeah and the same is true with anything hence rocks when it comes to traction or i mean Mm. if you don't know what problem you're trying to solve who knows what problem you're actually going to end up solving yeah would rather be very very focused on the problems that matter so let's create campaigns that are focused around the feedback on those particular issues the other stuff i don't give a shit about it let's not worry about other issues that are irrelevant to us that's good and i think for you know for for leaders inside service companies here this this whole idea of Working with feedback, whether it's internal, and I like, I, I hadn't even thought about it, but the whole idea of, you know, your vendors, your partners, you know, other people in your supply chain, other people that you rely upon in different ways, you know, getting feedback from them, like all of this is about building relationships and building kind of capability and engagement. So I think that's really, uh, I think that's really important. I think some really great takeaways for folks there. So I, w- I wanted to do, take up just a little bit before we run out of time here, because I think your, your entrepreneurial story is really great in terms of your previous company was a service-based business and you move to more of a product-based business, which we, and we keep talking about this in the service industries is how do you either, you know, pivot into more product or make your service look more like a product. I would love to hear kind of how that played out for you and how that really changed the way the company operated, like what you were able to do with it. Tell us a little bit about that experience for you. Yeah. Should I use the back scratcher? um, Yeah, sure. Go for it. Yeah. I'm holding a back scratcher here in my hand, Bruce. You can see it's a nice classic wooden one. It has a little massage thing on this side and a scratcher on this side. And and so my company, this is an analogy, people. We didn't actually sell back scratchers, but in this metaphor, as if I'd like, I don't know. It's a yeah. metaphor, an analogy, or a simile or something like that. But we we would basically sell the service of scratching backs, right? That's yeah. We would sell a service. We said, hey, we'll scratch your back and here's how much it costs. And we did that for a long, long time. And we built a really cool back scratcher to do it. You know, but it was our back scratcher we were using to complete the service. It struck us really, really, it it was almost overnight how fast it struck us that we were actually a a back scratching manufacturing company, not a back scratching company. And, and I thought that was really cool. So let me, let me now get away from the analogy and explain to you what we actually did. We were building platforms to help people capture content and host it online. So in this case, we were doing a lot of webinars and a lot of learning programs, sometimes webcasts that we'd capture in person somewhere. And we would then take all of this content, both live and on demand, and we'd put it into this website. We build a website for them centered around their learning programs. If you know anything about online learning, it sounds a heck of a lot like a learning management system. (laughs) And so we did one day is rather than selling the development of these sites and selling the ability to capture content, what we did one day is we decided that we were actually selling 
the learning management system. Yeah. And we created a, a system over the short, a very, very short period of time, took our back scratcher and converted it into this thing that people could actually manage themselves. So we went from a services oriented business where we would charge by the project and by how much they used our services mm-hmm. to a business that was now incurring monthly recurring revenue because they were buying our software. Yeah. So we always had maintained a certain level of service associated with it. But by the time we sold our business, 65% of it was recurring revenue. Yeah. I'm sure that helped. I'm sure that helped in the sale. Oh, yeah. When it comes to the multiples on a service-based business versus a, a recurring revenue software company, mm-hmm. it's dramatically different. And we were very much so the same company. We made yeah. some fundamental changes in how we sold it in the messaging. We mm-hmm. made some fundamental changes in the product. It mm-hmm. didn't take a ton, but some changes in the product, building an admin functionality so that it, the way our people managed it, we could mm-hmm. actually put that in front of a customer. Yeah. And then the third thing we did is we changed our pricing and yeah. that pricing yeah. model. And to be honest, we actually, the customers made out. We had to do, we cut costs, yeah. we, cut, uh, we cut the price to convert them to this monthly recurring revenue, mm-hmm. but in the long run, the value of the business went way up. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. Great story. So we're at time here. So I would love to keep going on, on all these. I'm sure there's lots more stories and, and discussions about both of these businesses that we could get into. But if people want to find out more about you, about PropFuel, what's the best way to contact you or get more information? Well, it's really easy to contact us if you just go to www.propfuel.com. Of course, I can always be reached at Dave at propfuel.com. Um, awesome. uh, I'm all over LinkedIn and, and um, uh, all the social media accounts too. Awesome. Yeah, you know, sure. if you type in prop fuel or feedback automation, we're the only ones that show up. Ooh, there you go. Feedback yep. automation. You own. You own the word. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to make sure those links are in the show notes so people can click through. This was great. Thanks for taking oh, time. Yeah. We actually have, um, if, if anyone's interested and you go to PropFuel.com, yeah. I don't need to, we don't need to make a special site for this. And in mm-hmm. our resources section, which is very, very clear, we actually have a hundred, I think it's 160 questions to ask your employees Ooh. and your customers. So it's a, it's a really good white paper that just sparks some ideas on the kinds of questions you can start asking people to get some valuable feedback. And then uh, if you're an association, there's one specific to you for associations. There's a lot of good resources in there. There's also a culture document. Now, this one's a little bit older, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a, kind of a fun read because it's all about creating a great culture in your organization. I think it's called 101 Tips to Creating a Great Culture. Awesome. So, yeah. I'll, I'll put links to those too so people can get, get right to it. Good. Thanks. Dave, thanks so much. And uh, I'll look forward to keeping in touch and hearing how things play out. Thank you, Brother Bruce. Great right. talk and I appreciate the time. Likewise. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.